This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. Lovely Rita, meet a maid. Nothing can come between us. When it gets dark, I tow your heart away. Standing by well, boy, Eric Adams, the New York City mayor, has his hands full. And I want to get your take tonight if you think he can make some headway. Uh, because, boy, crime is out of control in New York City. And he's well aware of that. This is what he said earlier this week. Take a listen. We learned so much after the World Trade Center attack on 2001, September 11th. We made up our minds that we will not sit back and allow terrorists from foreign shores to come to our country. And we produce information sharing. That's what this consortium is going to do. But we also are doing it in New York City. During my time of campaigning, I talked about bringing city, state, and federal agencies together. Every morning at 10 a.m., we're seeing that with the gun violence strategic partnership that's taking place here in New York City. We are seeing with the governor's announcement today that it is time for us to use the same abilities that we displayed during September 11 to stop the external terrorist threat. We are going to use that with the terror of gun violence that's sweeping our entire nation. All focus on guns. And listen, I think illegal guns of course, being in criminals' hands. Nobody wants that. But we need to hear more about criminal reform. And that goes to Alvin Bragg and these soft-on-crime DAs. Everybody, you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show here. And when I'm sitting here, and I'm sitting here listening to it, I do hear a very tough-on-guns approach. But what about a tough-on-thugs approach? Coming up, by the way, we have a blockbuster show tonight for you guys Tonight, in just about 10 minutes or so, we are going to have patriotic artist and activist. This is the one, of course, who is a huge supporter of the New York City Police Department. Scott Lobido is going to be here to explain why he got arrested outside of Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg's office um, and made lots of headlines just a few days ago. And he's going to explain exactly why he was arrested, and why he is outraged, as I think a lot of people in New York are, over Alvin Bragg. He is such a huge supporter of police and feels that Alvin Bragg does not have their back. And Scott Lobito is going to be joining us here in just a few minutes here on the Rita Cosby to explain why he is putting it all on the line to try to save New York City. 
And Eric Adams is going to have a tough fight because in the last few hours, we have also learned some details from people coming in his own party. First of all, it would obviously any a lot of these changes. And he's talked about maybe fixing bail reform, maybe somehow making it tougher and keeping prisoners behind bars. I'm all for people being busted and then suddenly not being back out on the street. We're seeing it time and time again, this revolving door. So Eric Adams has talked tough and said he wants to maybe revisit that. He also has talked about, you know, maybe rolling back the raise the age law so gun-toting teens can be prosecuted essentially in criminal court. Things that say, okay, look, we're getting tougher on crime. Well, guess what? We have learned in the last few hours that the Senate Majority Leader and also the Assembly Speaker in the Senate up there, this is going all the way back in New York, upstate, we're talking about Albany, because they have a say in these things, have basically said, "Uh uh-uh, that ain't going to happen. We're not going to do that. Um, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, who's the Senate Majority Leader, Democrat, basically told reporters that, you know what, Talking about bail reform, uh, that's a mantra because it's easy. It's easy to demonize one side. It's unfortunate. Doesn't sound like someone who's going to help and work with Eric Adams on turning back and fixing bail reform. And then he got Carl Hasty, who says, can we stop blaming bail reform when the sun comes out? Sounding annoyed that the topic of bail reform is even coming up. And guess why it's coming up? Because you have these people like Alvin Bragg. And I want to play a little bit more about Alvin Bragg because he's been pretty transparent what he believes in. And no wonder people like Scott Lobito and so many of you all over the country are outraged and frustrated at a time where crime is skyrocketing. We had a shooting at a hospital yesterday. We also had cops, by the way, that were shot, by the way, in Ferguson, Missouri, the site of Michael Brown, that location that happened a few hours ago in Missouri. These shootings of cops are happening all over the country. There was a shooting in Houston also the other day, too. It is heartbreaking to hear. And then you have these soft on crime DAs like Alvin Bragg, who continue with this message of let's talk to the criminals. Let's help the criminals. What about the victims? Here's a little bit more of Alvin Bragg. We've all seen the story of the person who's uh, on their eighth arrest, and people say, well, how'd this happen? How'd that assault happen? Well, there were seven prior times with that person struggling with addiction or mental health. We didn't connect that person to services. This is going to make us safer. It's intuitive. It's common sense. I don't understand uh, the pushback. I don't understand the pushback because you're sympathizing and trying to figure out how you can help the criminals. And listen, you want to try to break that cycle. But what about giving them a message that you got to be tough on crime? And there seems to be a bit of a wake-up call because there are some Democrats who are saying, listen, Eric Adams, you got to turn this city around. There are reports that some Democrats are seeing the light of day and realizing the writing's on the wall. Also, by the way, we have President Biden who is coming to town next week, and he's going to be meeting with Mayor Eric Adams. But he has basically the same message, too, about getting tough on guns and not hearing as much about Paying the price to criminals, locking them up and changing these DAs. Let's see if either Eric Adams or if the president really goes to the full cycle and talks about letting these guys back out on the streets. We heard that Kathy Hochul is going to have a serious talk. We know this week, apparently, with Eric Adams, but she's also kind of talked about defending bail reform and some of these policies. So even if she has a serious talk with them, what is she going to say in the serious talk? I'd love to know. 
Here's a little bit more of Alvin Bragg, who seems to be, again, not so sympathetic to the police. I have a simple test. If it's something my mother or father could have done, we shouldn't have police do it. My mother was a career educator. My dad ran homeless shelters. You look at the homeless sweeps. Police shouldn't be doing it. I know that I've worked for police officers for 20 plus years. That's not something they want to do. They want to do the kind of cases that I've worked on, gun trafficking, drug, drug trafficking cases, the kind that plague my community and communities around the city. Yeah. And you know what? He also has to say getting tough on criminals must be part of the package. Why are we not hearing that aspect? And why are we not hearing that people will say, listen, Governor Hochul, maybe you should let go of Alvin Bragg. You have control of this legislature. Why don't you maybe change some of the rules? Eric Adams is really in a conundrum if these people are not going to budge. It's 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to J.C. in East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. J.C., your thoughts about this? Okay, here's the deal, Rita. Uh, everything, Eric Adams and, and Briggs, this is all rhetoric. What they did, the story about them when they were younger, their mother, their this, their that, it, this is B.S. Eric Adams should be saying, where's the rhetoric on, for the cops? He should be saying, we will not stand for this. We are going to have a dragnet, and we're going to search out every single person that is perpetrating against the blue. He should be calling every single, for every single police chief in this country, he should be calling out Briggs, saying, no more soft on crime. This is what should be done. Not this rhetoric. I agree. And by the way, J.C., one of the things, you know, that Bragg has basically said that even for like the worst of the worst, he's only going to essentially give them 20 years. And then he's minimized. You know, the other thing that's outrageous, J.C., he has basically taken, um, you know, resisting arrest, essentially, off the books. In other words, that is no longer a crime. If that is not a free-for-all to go after our cops and not even worry if you're going to be arrested, don't worry about it. Nothing's going to happen if you, quote, resist arrest. I mean, talk about telegraphing to the bad guys, don't you think? This is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Let's see what the president does when he comes in. Is it going to be more rhetoric? Why isn't he standing up and saying, we shouldn't be. You know, we should. We should. You seek out all of these people. Not absolutely. Arms and the weapons. That's what they should be doing. I agree, JC. I absolutely agree with you. Thank you very much for the call, JC. We appreciate it. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. And after the break. Scott Lobido, you know him. He has been a big police supporter. He's the one who said blue lives matter. Remember, he did that beautiful, famous sign in the line supporting the blue, the men and women in blue. Well, he has just been arrested for protesting outside of Manhattan D.A. Alvin Bragg's office. And he's going to join us to tell us all about why and what happened. He's up next. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about soft on crime DA Alvin Bragg. He hasn't even been in office a month. And boy, he's making headlines across the country. And for comments like this, take a listen. This is from the debate that we did at WABC where 
he really didn't pull any punches. He basically said he's going to go easy because of his own experiences. What I want to do is shift the focus of the office from the types of cases where my friends were getting arrested growing up, uh, my family members currently getting arrested that have driven mass incarceration, and shift them to the kind of cases I've done throughout my career, significant uh, drug trafficking cases, significant gun trafficking cases, the kind of things that I know uh, my neighbors in Harlem are sitting around their tables concerned about now. And what about getting tough on criminals? Because the thugs have definitely gotten more and more brazen. So much so, as we know, we have just lost two heroic NYPD officers. And joining us now to talk about all of this is someone who is deeply patriotic as an artist and also as an activist. He was also, by the way, just recently arrested outside of the Manhattan DA's office. Scott Lobito. Scott, great to have you here on the show. Hey, Rita. Always a pleasure. I love having you on, Scott, and I love your passion for this country and our great men and women in blue. Uh, First off, um, what's your impression of Alvin Bragg? What's your thoughts about him? Well, obviously, you've seen uh, you have seen what I just did the other day in front of his office. So I think that's uh, pretty obvious how I feel. But it's not about me, Rita. You know who I am and you know what I do. I'm an artist. You think right now I don't wish that I was down in the Jersey Shore doing characters at a local fair with a white picket fence and just living like a normal artist? No, that's not my bag. My bag is to be the voice of these people using my artwork. What is art supposed to do, Rita? It provokes emotion. Now, yes, my thing the other day was a little, mm, I don't know what the word is, not rough, necessary. Ugly, but necessary, because unfortunately, the people in this city, the innocent, hardworking taxpayers cannot open their mouths because they will be eliminated from their jobs because they'd be called a racist or a bigot or a white supremacist or whatever it is. So people can't speak and they count on me because I don't have anything to lose. I'm an artist and I use my art. I don't just go there with a sign that anybody could do with a Sharpie. I use my art, my art performance, and that's what I did in front of his office yesterday. And I want to have you describe, too, what happened, too, because it was so powerful. First of all, Scott, I was looking at it. I encourage everybody, by the way, to look at uh, your social media, too, and see it because it is so powerful to see. Um, You actually, you poured red paint on the sidewalk. And can you describe what, what you did and then also how you left the pink jacket and the shoes and the meaning of all those things? Because it's so powerful, given the timeliness, sadly, of the crimes we've seen of late in New York City. It's absurd that I'm even on the phone having this conversation with you. It is surreal, absurd that this city is in this predicament, not just this city, cities across the country that are run by these woke, criminal-loving district attorneys and above them. And uh, so I needed to do something because it's just insane and people are out of their minds and they count on me like, Scott, what are you going to do? And I just thought about it. And I went up there two days ago and I bought this little pink jacket for a 12 month old baby. Because if you remember that image of that poor little girl that was shot in the face and that bloody red jacket, that pink jacket that you saw on the front page of the newspapers, okay, that just broke your heart. So I laid down a pink jacket, and I laid down a pair of women's shoes representing Michelle Goh, uh, who was pushed in that tra- subway train 
by these criminals. And I laid down a police officer's cap and I just poured a gallon of fake blood all over it, all over the sidewalk, all over the front entrance of D.A. District Attorney Alvin Bragg's office. And I screamed at the top of my lungs what it represented and why we are here. And, 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 and the biggest thing that I screamed out, the most important thing that I screamed out is that I and everybody in this city is sick of hearing the thoughts and prayers. Our hearts and prayers are out with the victims from our governor, our mayor, and the president of the United States. And these are the individuals, okay? If they really had, if they really gave up, bleep you know i'm holding on you know i'm holding back here rita because we're on the radio thank you they really cared they would get these woke criminal loving district attorneys across this country out of this office it is just common sense and don't give me this listen i'm giving eric adams the benefit of the doubt you know how i treated the blasio i was on him like white on rice and i'm giving this guy but now you're gonna say oh Let's beg the feds for some help to get the guns off the streets. It isn't not the guns, people. The gun is an an inanimate object that will sit on that table for a thousand years until somebody picks it up and uses it. Get the criminals off the streets. That's it. That's common sense. And I cannot believe that nobody is using the common sense. So when I hear Hochul saying my hearts and prayers and my thoughts and prayers are going out, that is BS. Okay, and we all know it. You have the power to remove people like Alvin Braggs. That's the only way to save this city. Scott, do me a favor. Stay with us if you could, because we're going to go to a quick break. I want to continue with you, and I want to hear what happened. What was the reaction from Bragg's office after that happened with your display? So please stay with us. Scott Lobato, more after the break. Patriotic artist and activist. Boy, is he passionate. And I'm sure galvanizing many people is galvanizing me. We're going to talk about more about this after the break. It's the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue, a Los Angeles police sergeant is being hailed a hero after a harrowing body cam footage video captured the moment that he saved a baby who was choking and not breathing, and it happened along the 101 freeway, which is a very busy freeway there. The footage, which was released this week, begins with a father begging for help and running toward the sergeant as he holds his unconscious child. Please, officer, please, I don't know what's wrong, the man cries out, and the father watches helplessly as the sergeant calls dispatch to get an ambulance to get to the scene for the baby girl. Now, as the sergeant works to clear the girl's airway, you hear the mother screaming and crying. The sergeant begins patting the child on the back to help clear her airway, and to the relief of everyone, the girl began to breathe. And she regained full consciousness. She was taken to the hospital and is in stable condition and expected to be okay. And bravo to the great work of the folks there, the great men and women in Los Angeles and, of course, around the country. Well, you know, law enforcement, they are trying to do everything they can to arrest the bad guys, get them off the streets. And boy, do they have their hands full now, especially because we are learning of these soft on crime DAs that are happening around the country including Alvin Bragg in New York, who seems to be so focused just on guns, but not on the criminals. Take a listen. I've had a semi-automatic weapon pointed at my head. I've been shot at. 
Uh, and just late last year, I had walked to a crime scene uh, with more than 20 shell casings on the ground with my two young children just to get home. So don't tell me about guns. I know about guns. So you would think he would also say the people who are pulling the trigger or holding the gun that they did, as he says, to his head, you would think he'd say, throw the book at him, as opposed to being more lenient. And he's not alone. There's also LADA George Gascon, who I think takes the cake. Take a listen. People still serve lengthy sentences for serious crimes, but by eliminating the enhancements, we ensure people have at least a chance to show that they have grown and changed over time. What about the focus on the victims and, again, going after the criminals, the bad guys? And continuing now with us is patriotic artist and activist Scott Lobito, who was arrested, actually, after pouring red paint in protest outside of Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg's office. Um, Scott, I just wanted to continue with you to just have you explain what happened. What was the reaction? Because you were talking right before the break about pouring, you poured the red paint um, you put uh, the pink jacket up to symbolize that the little girl who was shot in the face in the Bronx, um, the shoes of Michelle Goh, the Asian woman who was fatally pushed in front of the subway train recently. Um, obviously, mementos to honor the brave officers who were killed in Harlem in that ambush last Friday. What was the reaction from the public and people who saw you doing it? Uh, well, well, as usual, you know, these people are just walking through the streets on the way to work or in and out of work or for lunch. And, you know, I'm just as vocal with my voice as I am with my visual stimulation, per se. Uh, so, yeah, I shocked the hell out of uh, the community at that point, which was what my point was, was to get their attention. And I did. Now, uh, uh, Rita, I just want to emphasize now you're going to ask me you know you asked me about what happened and how i got you know taken into custody um, i'm glad you asked me that because that little piece that you just did about that police officer in los angeles that saved that baby um uh, that's important because you know there's a lot of people in my social media that you know uh, make comments and like i can't believe these cops how can they arrest you you're the supporter of them and you didn't do nothing wrong and i want to straighten this out right now Okay, I'm a big boy. I've been doing this for 30 years. I've been arrested many times. And I know that I am stepping over a constitutional line where I know I am probably going to be apprehended because I am breaking the law. So when I do get arrested, I never, ever backlash, say anything bad or resist arrest from the officers that are arresting me, because that is the job they were told to do. We do not blame the officers. We blame their authorities that are pressuring them to be it arrest me for something, you know, putting washable paint on the floor. Again, I'm chaotic out there. It looks looks crazy. It looks violent. And you have these officers that come out. They don't know what's going on. They yeah, just they're just doing crazy. their job. They're just exactly. doing. So I want to I want to make that a very strong point, especially for my followers who up, you know, back the blue people. I listen. I've been back in the blue for 20 years, way before it was cool. So, and I will to the day I die because I have them in my family as friends and I understand. And by the way, Scott, me too. We, we love them. And, and, and that's why I, I'm glad you brought that up because obviously you, you, they're just doing their job. You did it for, to prove a point and to make a point. Um, before I let you go, Scott, um, because I know how much you love our men and women in blue, as I think all of our listeners do. Um, I want to hear from you. What would be your message 
to Alvin Bragg right now where this city is out of control. And and I think you made a very powerful point by doing what you were doing in terms of trying to get the message out. I love when citizens speak out and try to have a voice. It's important because uh, we have to make sure our city is safe. What's your message to Alvin Bragg tonight? Well, listen, I, I, I really honestly think that there's no way he's going to change his ideology. Okay. But I would ask him to just step down and let somebody just look at the look at the victims here. Don't make this a racial thing. Don't make this a political thing. Think about humanity. Think about the city, the greatest city that ever was on the face of this earth, how horrible it is because of your policies. Think about that. And one more thing, anybody out there across this country, if you know that there is a DA like Alvin Braggs, you need to let them know publicly, peacefully, Maybe you step over the line like I did. Don't hurt anybody, but let them know, let the public know, and let they let them know that we are on top of them. And that is the only way to get this country out of this crime insanity. Absolutely. Speaking out. Uh, bravo. Scott Lobito, um, love you, and I love your support of our great men and women in blue. And you're welcome back anytime, my friend. Thanks so much, Scott. Thank you, Rita. Always a pleasure. You too, my friend. Thanks so much. Let's go to your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to Ed in Toledo, Ohio. Ed, your thoughts? Hi, Rita. How you doing? Good, but I'm fired up because, you know, it, it is so... I think about um, the message. I, I heard the emotion, obviously, in Scott's voice, who was just on here, and the patriotic sense yes. of, of love of this city and love of this country that we all have. And yes. to sit here and to see this city just falling apart and this country falling apart, it's almost like an alternate universe when I see these DAs who still don't get it. I was in New York only once in my lifetime, but I'll tell you, it was a beautiful city. And there was so much to do, and they had so much to offer. Now, this is my thoughts. Anybody got caught with a crime with a gun ought to get the automatic death penalty. And what they should do is show them walking toward the electric chair being strapped in and let it be shown on television. Wow, Ed, you are hardcore. You are hardcore. But, oh, you, but you know what, Ed? You know what? I, yeah. I actually will think if you kill a police officer, I actually don't think there should be any gray. I, I, I hate when I hear the fact that um, and I think it's you know, I think if you have gone to such an extreme and you have this propensity and this repeat offense, first of all, you should be stopped well before it gets to that point. Um, well, yeah, the but the fact is, that Alvin Braggett is now looking at 20 years, that's maximum. That's outrageous. And it costs taxpayers money to keep these people in prison. Get rid of them. They're not any good for anybody. I don't care what anybody says. Well, I, I, I hear out, I hear your passion. Do anything because they can't take care of themselves. Well, and Ed, and there, I do agree with you that we need to, at minimum, in some of these cases, you know, lock the door and throw away the key. Um, you know, and obviously, whatever we can to, if there is a chance to to help them or do whatever, but they can no longer be a danger to society. And there are some people who are so bad and are so evil that you just got to lock them up, and that's it. Um, and, and you're right. There needs to be a fear of punishment of some form, especially for these heinous crimes, because they seem to be emboldened. They seem to not worry. And then when they get arrested, like, you know, remember the crazy guy in the Burger King killing, 
um, when that happened with that that beautiful woman who was killed at the Burger King. Remember the guy was shouting reparations, America's going to burn as he's being carried out of the police station. I mean, how is that guy getting a message that it's wrong to commit a heinous crime? He clearly didn't get the message all the times he was arrested before. And even this time when he was arrested for this brutal killing, there needs to be a wake up call and DAs need to throw the book. And I, I say bravo to people like Scott Lobito and others who are citizens who just care about the city and want people to come out and to speak out and, again, do it peacefully, but get that message out. Because that's the only way, voting them out or putting the pressure on the governor to get them out. That's another option. Let's go to Phil in the Bronx. Phil, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts, Phil? Yeah, good evening. Good good to hear you. You uh, too, Phil. Always great to hear you, Phil, my friend. Thank you. All righty. Yeah, here's the deal. Uh, Alvin Bragg was elected as a result of a very limited, extremely limited election, uh, maybe about five or 6,000 people maximum. And many of these people were on text, text phone blockchains prearranged by the Democrats to go and vote that particular that particular name, Alvin Bragg. Uh, that's how he that's how he got in. And by the way, uh, the elections that have for the D.A. and judges, I might add, are very limited. Very, very few polling places will handle them. No, you're right. And and low turnout usually, too, as well. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Also, also, you got a problem because Hochul is is telling people, well, look, uh, I'm stopping short of getting this guy out of his out of his office. The problem is she has the power to get him out. But the state legislature is saying no. No, we're not going to change. Uh, no, no cash bail. But you know what's yeah, interesting? Yeah. And Phil, you know what's interesting? You, you bring up some superb points. But you know what's interesting is Hochul, yes, says she's going to talk to Bragg later this week. That'll be interesting. But yet she has also come out and defended bail reform, which is no cash bail. So well, she, I, what, is she talking out of both sides of her mouth, too? Yeah, yeah. Well, Biden is coming to New York, I hear, which is, which is yep. just... For publicity's sake, he's not going to really accomplish anything. Rita, that gentleman who who did that protest, I, I commend him highly. At the same time, I would think it wise that about four or five thousand people stand in front of Hogan Place, where the DA's office is, and scream bloody murder. What are they going to do? You can't shoot five thousand people, and you can't arrest them. So I think that would that would help because we gotta we gotta put an end to this. If we don't, this city is completely finished. I mean, ir- irrevocably finished. Yeah, and I, I agree. We are sliding fast, and I think people need to peacefully get out there and, and have their voices heard in mass. Uh, bravo. Phil, thank you. Love the call. Let's go to John in Hill's Kitchen. Go ahead, John. You're here on the Rita Cosby hey. Show. Hey, Rita. How are you? I have two quick points. Number one, when Biden comes here next week, is he going to talk about his son, Hunter Biden, who had an illegal gun that was thrown in a dumpster, retrieved by the FBI? Is he going to talk about that gun? That's a and great second, point. That's a and, great and point second, where he got a free pass on that one right. for sure. And, 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 and the second point I have is that I painted a sign, not with a Sharpie. I painted a sign. I'm a New York City actor, a well-known actor. And I painted a sign and I walked around New York City today for three hours and the sign said, New York City police officers Jason Rivera and Wilbert Mora, may your heroic souls rest in peace. Your lives mattered. Via Candios. Rita, people were cursing at me. Oh, my goodness. 
People were walking up and asking me, what does that mean? What are you doing? Why are you doing that? Rita, I got to tell you, the problem we have in this city, and I'm just as fired up as your artist. I'm just as fired up as you. The problem we have in this city is that people are not, they're like, they have blinkers on. They're looking at their phone. They're looking at the ground. They're not looking around. They're not looking at what's going on, and they're not realizing the trouble we're in. And you know what? You could ask, because I've heard you say that if you were back in the journalist thing, like where you were in the question room, because I used to hear you ask questions. Right, in the, in the White House, right. I grilled right. Biden. <laughs> I want to I hear someone ask Eric Adams about the gang, the seven crowns that he was in in South Jamaica, the seven crowns gang, when he, he was a gang member. Well, listen, we'll find out. We'll, we'll talk with him about that and whatever else. I mean, he's talked about... That he's had a troubled past, by the way, John. Um, And he also has talked, you know, about how obviously he's been a police captain. And that's why he should, with his background, be effective to break through. I mean, he knows Alvin Bragg. He knows these players. He knows some of the tough streets, too, as you talk about. Um, So for all of these reasons, he needs to really put his foot down because he knows the cycle. You know, but he also knows that you can't just talk about guns you got to also say, hey, bad guys, don't do it again, because here's what's going to happen to you the first time. And, oh, that wasn't bad enough. Here's what's going to happen to you the second time. You ready for the third one? You know, and and that kind of language, because as we're all talking about, our city and our country is going down fast if it's not tough love. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Soft on crime, Alvin Bragg, and the role that I think he has had in, sadly, the revolving door of criminals. Here is a little bit more of him basically saying, hey, I've been there. I've been a victim of crime. I know what this is like. So you would think he would get it. Why, you should throw the book at criminals. Take a listen to good old Alvin Bragg. I've walked in the shoes of someone who's been affected. When I think about the investment we need in our communities, I think about my mother who's a teacher, my dad who ran homeless shelters. When I think about reentry, I think about my brother-in-law who was incarcerated and lived with me. And when I think about public safety, I think about having had a knife to my neck, a semi-automatic weapon to my head, and a homicide victim on my doorstep growing up in the village of Harlem. It's time that we have someone who's walked the walk, lived it. This is my work. This is my life's work. So why are you not compassionate to other victims of crime who are saying, lock them up, throw away the key? 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. By the way, everybody, in the next hour, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about this outrageous comment from a New York councilwoman. We talked a little bit about it last night, but she has sympathy not only for the officers, thank goodness, But guess what? She also has sympathy for the family of the killer who pulled the trigger. This kind of soft on crime rhetoric from her and Alvin Bragg and others really is disastrous. And boy, is it putting a, I think, battle line for Eric Adams, who I think he just has to pull no punches and say, this is it. We're also going to be talking about, guess what, the big surprise that happened in the U.S. Supreme Court, of course, as we know, Justice Breyer, big liberal left-leaning, he has been on the court for decades, suddenly retiring. Well, we are going to talk to great legal scholar 
Alan Dershowitz and get his take, particularly on the comments from Biden and others who said, you know, he committed on the campaign trail and it sounds like he's standing by it, that he will pick an African-American woman. Is that constitutional? Is that the criteria for picking a Supreme Court justice? And could it be Kamala Harris? We will have the great legal scholar Alan Dershowitz coming up in the next hour. So you definitely don't want to miss that. Meantime, let's go to your calls, everybody. I always love hearing from you. Let's go to Michael in Nutley, New Jersey. Michael, your thoughts about Alvin Bragg? Well, you know, first of all, Andrew Stewart's cousin is a traitor to her law-abiding constituent. She has a nerve to wear an American flag scarf on her Facebook page. But as for Biden coming to New York City, talking about guns and Eric Adams talking about guns, what more proof do you New Yorkers have to see that these people take you as a joke, these Democrats? I mean, what about the thug? Talk about them. Talk about the dangers they are to our society. These Democrat career politicians like Braggs, like Biden, and also Eric Adams, they don't care about their own constituents because if they really did, they would get really tough on crime. They would talk about they wouldn't care about the, the feelings or the health and well-being of the career criminals that are out on our streets shooting our 11-year-old babies and killing two cops. You Democrat, you Democrat voters in New York City, you have a lot of blood in your hands. Well, and you know what, and you know what Michael? You know, Michael, I hear your passion. I think a lot of people, by the way, who voted for Alvin Bragg are now kind of realizing, oh, gosh, look what I voted for. I don't think a lot of people even realize how bad I I know people who are like, God, I had no idea he was that bad or he was that extreme. It's a huge lesson. And, you know, you get what you voted for. He said he was going to do it. Um, and now it's important to keep him in line. Eric Adams has to be tough with Alvin Bragg. So does the governor. We're going to talk about that and some more outrageous comments from Democrats that are sympathetic to criminals. Feisty, fearless and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. And in a matter of hours, there will be a wake for Officer Jason Rivera in New York City. Then also on Friday, there is the funeral on Friday morning. And it's just, it's so heartbreaking. Um, I love our men and women in blue. Um, and to hear also, of course, that Wilbert Mora, the second officer who was shot on Friday night, uh, who was clinging to life, as we know, he passed away. Um, and now we are hearing that also Mora, maybe one of his kidneys, maybe going to his niece. Um, this sounds like this was a man who was giving so much while he was here on this earth. And now he is giving life again, even in death. What a powerful, powerful statement. And so many people have been coming out across the country just heartbroken and just grieving at the loss of these two great officers, Jason Rivera, 22, and again, Wil- Wilbert Mora, 27 years old. And just a little bit ago, uh, Patrick Lynch, who is head of one of the big unions in New York City, came out and was talking about the loss of the officers and also praising the other young rookie cop. They're basically were all pretty young cops. Um, and the one, the third one, who actually killed 
this repeat offender who opened fire on these two cops and took their precious lives. And he heralded the cop who shot and killed LaShawn McNeil. Take a listen. But we also have to remember another person that day, another police officer that was in that apartment, a young police officer, only weeks out of the academy, who was in a situation that no one would ever want to be. But he didn't turn and run. He didn't duck behind the couch. When those shots started being fired, he saw his fellow police officers go to the ground. He jumped into action. He checked on them. He even tried to protect the people in that apartment. When that perp came out of that apartment and tried to kill the rest of the apartment, he took them out. He did his job. He saved others. But you know what? It sounds good when you say that. But when he goes home, and puts his head on the pillow. All he can see is that apartment down the block. All he can see is the faces of our two police officers. All he can do is keep thinking and thinking, did I do right? Well, I'm here to say publicly, yes, he did right. Boy, did he do right. Thank goodness that he shot back because that guy was still continuing to shoot at the officers when they were down. And it's this brazen attitude of these thugs. And when you look at the rap sheet of this guy over and over again, he had half a dozen arrests, many of them for violent instances, felony narcotics, also assaulting an officer, not just in this area, but also in South Carolina and elsewhere, also a gun, number of gun charges. And this guy, needless to say, never should have been out on the streets. And one thing that just really just shocks me is at a time like this where the city, the country's grieving, everybody just wants to take their arms around the NYPD and say thank you and our hearts break for these officers' families, my goodness. Well, a New York Democratic councilwoman came out, and I could not believe this. This is a city council member from Harlem, where this happened, offered her sympathy, not just to the relatives of the two NYPD cops who were gunned down, but also to the families of LaShawn McNeil, the killer. She writes in a tweet, this is Kristen Johnson, this is Kristen Richardson Johnson. She says, quote, my deepest condolences to the families of Officer Jason Rivera and Officer Wilbert Mora and LaShawn McNeil, putting them all like on the same level. Are you kidding me? This is the same woman who earlier this month tweeted out that the biggest gang basically in New York is the NYPD. How disgusting is this? This is what she puts out in the last 24 hours or so. And this is only days after two officers are ambushed. It's this kind of attitude that I think contributes to these attacks on criminals to basically put them on the same footing As the two officers who died, who lost their lives, this is unbelievable. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Stan in Forest Hill. Stan, your thoughts. First of all, to the gentleman who said that Democrats have blood on their hands, he can kiss my Democratic rear end because I don't have no blood on my hands. Neither a lot of us do. Now, let's get something straight. Uh, There are good Democrats who are law and order, okay? 
The elections that happened this year time, a small quantity voted, not too much. If you noticed that, uh, but they the voted day, him in, Stan. I, a well, number I, of Democrats that, voted that, him that. in. Well, We're talking about Alvin Bragg. I'm not arguing that. I'm not. You're right. But people voted. They can vote who they want. The people that thought there should have been more people vote against them, but nobody did. Remember, don't don't you? By the way, night. Stan, don't you think they have a little bit of buyer's remorse now? Maybe so. It's a little yes and no. Here's the thing that bothers me, and I'm a liberal, and you know I'm a Democrat. I'm noticing it's just small notice that a majority of the new elected officials, primarily people of color, attorney general, state senator, majority leader, the speaker, uh, other people in the city, seem to be on a what I call retributions uh, situation in terms of now it's time to make up for 50 years against people of color. That's the way I'm reading it. It sounds terrible, but I'm hearing that you heard it from that council person. I'm hearing it from other not the mayor. I, I want the mayor to do good, but By I'm the hearing way, it from a lot of people of color, and I'm starting to say, what's going on here? Stan, I Stan, I think you're having a little bit of an epiphany, and I'm happy no, no, to hear I, that. I, hey, I'm a Democrat, but I'm hearing things. And, and Stan, I, I'm, a, I'm an American. Like, that's how I label myself. And, I, and by the way, I appreciate your candidness, Stan. I love this because... I think you add so much because of your background and your experience, and and I always love your calls. But I do think, I do think there is this sense, just like this crazy guy who got arrested, remember, in the Burger King, he's running out and shouting about reparations. And and for this woman who is a council member, that's what's really, really stunning to me. Here she is. You know, she's elected to, again, again, I think there's a lot of buyer's remorse on her end, but Kristen Richardson-Jordan saying, Basically putting the, you know, prayers out for the families of the officers and the killer. You know, LaShawn, are you kidding me? I'm sorry, but I, I, I cannot even put them on the same plane. It's shameful. It's disgusting. Really quick, Jimmy in Brooklyn, your thoughts, Jimmy, real quick, Jim. Yes, Stan, the radicalization you see among black Democrats, that's what the communist movement is. They're taught by communists in universities. These radical DAs and judges are Antifa with law degrees. Rita, you talk, you mentioned a few times alternate universe. In the communist publication, they call it counter-hegemony. So your instinct is right on. Yeah, there, there is this mindset, Jim, as you're talking about it. And it's like, it's like this, we have to be sympathetic to the criminal. It is outrageous. Anybody listening just goes, can't take it, can't take it. By the way, everybody coming up after the break... We are going to be talking a little bit about race politics. It's fortuitous we're talking about this now because big breaking news for the Supreme Court. Justice Stephen Breyer resigning soon. And President Biden said he will only nominate a black woman. That's the criteria. Is that constitutional? We'll talk about that with Alan Dershowitz. Rita Cosby is on. And welcome back to the Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about the big news today that liberal longtime Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer is retiring, even though he wasn't the one to break the news. And President Biden has said that he will nominate a black woman for his pick to replace Breyer. And joining us now to talk about all of this 
is Harvard Law School professor emeritus and great many, many books, a very accomplished author, Alan Dershowitz. Professor Dershowitz, great to have you here. Well, it's great to be on. You know, I've known Stephen now for almost 60 years. We we were law clerks in the Supreme Court for the same justice. And we taught together at Harvard for 25 years. We both were close to Ted Kennedy. And I have to tell you, I worked very hard to get him nominated to the Supreme Court. I clearly uh, 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 used whatever friendship I had with, with Bill Clinton, with President Clinton, to push his nomination, saying that I think he would be a, a centrist liberal and somebody who uh, Bill Clinton would be very proud of. And he's, I think, done a great job over the last uh, 20-something years. You know, before we get to the comments of him retiring, many people have said that he's just very funny, that he has these knock-knock jokes and he gets along with everyone, even though everybody knows sort of where he is ideologically. He was really somebody who got along with everybody on the court. Well, the reason that he got uh, nominated to be a judge was because uh, he was the uh, chief counsel of the Judiciary Committee when Ted Kennedy was chairman, and he became very friendly with Strom Thurmond. Strom Thurmond. And so he was the only person who could get through the Judiciary Committee when uh, Jimmy Carter became a lame duck. And that's when he got nominated for the circuit court. Uh, the Republicans wouldn't confirm anybody who was a lame duck appointee. But uh, but uh, uh, the Republicans liked Stephen so much that they said, we'll make an exception for him. And so he got nominated and confirmed for the First Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, nominated by a Democrat president, confirmed by essentially a Republican Senate. What's your reaction, Professor Alan Dershowitz, to President Biden's comments? And he said this on the campaign trail during the debate. I will pick a black woman to the Supreme Court. It sounded like it was reinforced today. Do you believe that maybe it's an awkward message? It should be I'll pick the most qualified person. Are you uncomfortable with the terminology? I'm more than uncomfortable. I think it probably is a violation of the Constitution. Um, Imagine if a president said, I'm going to pick a white person. Um, You can't become part of this identity politics if you're going to be president of the United States. Uh, You pick the most qualified person out there without regard to gender or without regard to race. But by announcing in advance that he was going to pick a a black woman, if he hasn't violated the text of the Constitution, he certainly violated the, um, the, uh, uh, the, the meaning of it. For example, if he said, um, I'm going to pick a Jew, uh, that would be unconstitutional because the Constitution says specifically uh, religion shall never be a basis for appointing to any position of trust under the United States. It's specifically prohibited in the Constitution. And I think it's implicitly prohibited by the 14th Amendment based on race and by gender as well. So I am strongly opposed. I'm not only uncomfortable. Uh, I voted for Joe Biden. I've known him. Um, for um, many, many years, uh, more than 40, um, he was wrong. And he is wrong to use race and gender as a criteria for picking anybody for any position in the United States government. That's just not the way our Constitution, our country is supposed to operate. Professor Dershowitz, what about also the fact that it seems like it came from the White House at first, that the leak came not from Justice Breyer. I mean, he got preempted on his own you know, retirement after all these years of great service. Well, that's not unusual. There are no secrets in Washington. Obviously, somebody told somebody 
and uh, and uh, the White House or whoever wanted to benefit from the leak uh, leaked it. I, I don't think anybody should be surprised by that. But but I really do think, and I feel strongly about this, that no president should ever pick somebody or announce that they're going to pick somebody based on factors that violate the spirit of the Constitution. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And um, Professor Dershowitz, what about the pressure, too, that um, Justice Breyer was under in recent months, at least publicly? I I thought it was kind of unseemly. Some of these, you know, folks with a big billboard, retire Breyer. Um, I mean, he was just under this intense, it it really became so political because they want to make sure, obviously, a liberal justice fills the seat. It was unnecessary. Um, Stephen was going to retire while he could be replaced by a Democratic president. You know, Stephen's a great judge, but he comes from politics. Uh, the reason he was a judge is because he was Ted Kennedy's chief advisor, and Ted pushed his nominations. Uh, so he understands politics. He was going to leave. He wasn't going to pull Ginsburg. Uh, he didn't have to have be pressured. And it was unseemly for people to put pressure on him. In fact, I thought the pressure probably made it harder for Stephen to resign because he didn't want to be perceived as somebody who gave into pressure. That's not the right role for a Supreme Court justice to be playing. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to ask you, because Biden has said the criteria is an African-American woman, there's a lot of names that have come up, um, even in the roster, Kamala Harris, even Michelle Obama. I mean, could it be sort of an unusual pick? I don't think so. First of all, it's not going to be Kamala Harris. Why? Because she won't wouldn't get confirmed if all the Republicans stayed together. It would be a 50 50 vote. And I don't think that the vice president can cast the deciding vote for herself as a Supreme Court justice. So uh, it's not going to be Kamala Harris. I don't think it's going to be Michelle Obama. I think it's going to be a sitting judge either from the D.C. Circuit or one of the other courts. Um, There are very, very, very good and extremely highly qualified African-American women on the bench. So he'll have no problem picking an extraordinarily qualified person. And he may end up picking the most qualified person there is without regard to race. The problem is he shouldn't have. You know, it's so insulting, too, to the person picked. Uh, The person picked then is perceived, no, she's not the best qualified person. She's the best qualified black woman. That's so insulting. Uh, I just think it's wrong in every respect. No, I agree. It minimizes uh, the person who does get picked. You're right, especially if they have, you know, stellar credentials. Well, great to have you here, Professor Dershowitz. It's always wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Always great to get his perspective. Really interesting to hear Professor Dershowitz saying, that it may be unconstitutional and that I think it's a great point that he just made here where he said that it's also insulting to the individual because it minimizes them. There are some very qualified African-American women out there uh, that are on, you know, being looked at in some of the different courts. But to come and say, well, the criteria was that they were black and the criteria was that they're a woman. I think it is much more of a compliment to say that they were the best choice at this time as opposed to putting that out there. And he said it, by the way, he did. He said it during the campaign trail. He said it over and over again. Real quick, uh, Robert from Westchester County, your thoughts real quick, Robert. Hi. Isn't that remark just more prejudicial? And isn't it also more subterfuge? It smells to me of don't look there, look here. With all the disasters the Joe Obama administration has created in this last 
one year alone. No, that's an interesting point. Um, But it's also something he said on the campaign trail, and it could also be political pandering. It is a big election year, and the midterms are coming up. We're going to talk about that after the break. It's the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, students across six campuses in the Keller School District in Washington State offered their support and appreciation to several men who fought in World War II. The project, called World War II Veterans Mail Call, was in honor of the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. And in all, more than 2,000 letters were written, packaged, and sent, I love this, to 63 veterans while on their flight to Honolulu to visit the Pearl Harbor National Memorial. The effort was coordinated by the school district and also American Airlines with their military and veterans initiative. And the head of the school board said mail calls during the war were the only lifeline sometimes soldiers and sailors had to their loved ones. And they basically wanted to bring back that beautiful and powerful memory and powerful connection. And also a reminder that the next generation and future generations will never forget their sacrifice. Well, we are talking, of course, about the big news. It was a big stunner today that Justice Stephen Breyer, who has been on the court for decades, um, doesn't change the makeup of the court that he is retiring um, because it'll still be six to three. The question is, will it be a super left-wing progressive who comes in that takes his place? Because he's been sort of more of a moderate left-leaning judge. Um, And the other thing that's interesting about him, too, is he wasn't the one to announce it. You know, I, I've covered a lot of different Supreme Court retirements, and usually the justice kind of announces it first. In this case, he did an interview recently, and he wasn't even saying he was going to retire. And then suddenly word gets out to NBC News that he's retiring, um, and then it gets announced, and we still even haven't heard his official announcement yet. It's the weirdest sort of weird leaks in the way it happened. And needless to say, there was clearly a lot of pressure on him to leave. So then Biden can fill it with another justice, a younger justice, to stay with sort of that same ideology. Um, and the question is, Biden came out during the campaign trail and came out right away and said during the campaign, and remember there were these moments in the debate, I remember a couple of them, where he was asked, you know, by the moderator, and the moderator asked a lot of people on the podium, OK, well, who are you going to vote for if there is a vacancy? You know, we don't know. There are some older justices like Breyer, who's, you know, high 70s. If there's a vacancy, what kind of person will be your criteria? And Biden came right out at several different moments. And I want to play them for you where he made it very clear that he would only nominate an African-American woman. And I want to hear from you if you think that that's fair. Is that playing identity politics? You just heard from Alan Dershowitz, the great legal scholar, who said that he feels it's unconstitutional, that you can't really say I'm going to pick someone based on race or gender. Remember, it's like there's in so many of these, if you go to a company and they say, well, I didn't pick you because of your color, that's unconstitutional. An employer can't do that. But yet, The president of the United States came right out. Take a listen to what he said on the campaign trail. 
I'm looking forward to making sure there's a black woman on the Supreme Court to make sure we, in fact, get every representation. I committed that if I'm elected president, have an opportunity to appoint someone to the courts, we'll be a, I'll appoint the first black woman to the courts. We are putting together a list of a group of African-American women who are qualified and have the experience to be in the court. And so he has clearly said the criteria is that they're black and that they are a woman. So is that, again, playing to sort of racial politics? I think he should have said, I'm going to pick the best person. It's clearly political pandering. He did it at the time of the campaign trail. It's an election year, by the way. Of course, you got the midterm elections. He's sinking in the polls. And African-American women are the biggest, strongest support block. Typically, they come out overwhelmingly for the Democratic Party. you got to keep them. They are really key to the Democratic base. So he did it on the campaign trail. And listen today to when reporters asked Circle Back Saki, the White House press secretary, will he keep that promise? This is what she said. Does President Biden plan to honor his pledge to nominate a black woman to the court? Well, I've commented on this previously. The president has uh, stated and reiterated his commitment to nominating a black woman to the Supreme Court and certainly uh, stands by that. So he is maintaining that he's going to continue doing that. Is that appropriate? Well, a lot of people said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You just heard from Alan Dershowitz, who said, again, that may be unconstitutional. That may be illegal. That may be immoral, he was saying. And he also thinks it diminishes whoever gets picked, because if they get picked, they're going to say, well, they're picked because they're an African-American woman, as opposed to a highly capable, qualified judge. There's a number of them out there, including this Judge Jackson, who's on the D.C. court, who just got approved by the Senate not that long ago. Um, Certainly seems very capable, by the way, is a clerk, a former clerk of Breyer, too, so has that connection, too, which is interesting. But people will now say, oh, she got picked because she's an African-American woman, because that's what he said was the criteria. Well, this is what Katie Pavlich, who is with townhall.com, had to say about Joe Biden's comments that he will only nominate an African-American woman to the high court. Now, the question moving forward for uh, the Senate is going to be that it's a 50-50 Senate. Uh, Republicans generally have been uh, more open to looking at nominees on the merits rather than on uh, other issues. And so I foresee Democrats accusing Republicans if Joe Biden follows through with his own standard of who he thinks should be a Supreme Court justice of accusing anybody who opposes the nominee of sexism and racism, much like we've seen with criticism of Vice President Kamala Harris and her performance. And listen, I agree with Katie Pavlich. You're right. The minute they start going after her, they're going to say, oh, are you racist because it's an African-American woman? Are you sexist? Because we're hearing that from Kamala Harris, even though she isn't doing really anything with the border. I mean, I, I don't know what she's doing. And I want to hear your thoughts, too, as I asked Alan Dershowitz if she might be one of the folks because her name's come up. By the way, another name that's come up is Michelle Obama, African-American woman, an attorney. You know, you never know. I mean, there's a lot of things here. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Well, this is what MSNBC had to say. Take a listen to this exchange with a couple of the commentators and Joy Reid. 
President Biden promised during the 2020 campaign to nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court. Uh, there are some obvious candidates. There's three, uh, including Leandra Kruger. She's a California state Supreme Court justice. Ketanji Brown-Jackson, a U.S. District Court judge. Jamisel Child, also a U.S. District Court judge. You have pointed out in your reporting that each of these women has been confirmed at one point. They already served as judges. But are all black women equal at this point? given that we do have a black man on the Supreme Court right now. Uh, that's, funny. that's a funny way of putting it. I think of the people that Biden is likely to choose, all of them will be immensely qualified black women. All of them will be generally left of center. All of them will have resumes that are kind of gold-plated, um, and, and all of them will have been vetted. Um, I, I'm pretty sure Biden won't nominate a person who has been credibly accused of trying to rape somebody in high school. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I don't think uh, Biden is going to nominate um, a black woman who has um, unexplained uh, debts um, uh, 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 that, that they can't um, sufficiently explain away. I don't think that he's going to nominate a black woman who has perjured herself in front of Congress before. All of these are things that Trump does when he's trying to find the best available white man to nominate. So I, I think that the Biden's pick is going to be a lot more, not just not just credentialed, um, but a lot, but but of the highest moral uh, character as well. Um, look, this is this is largely uh, Kentaji's Brown Jackson's uh, a nomination to lose. Wow. And again, Jackson is the woman on the D.C. court, um, African-American and a woman. She fits that criteria. What about Michelle Obama? What about Kamala Harris? And what about the comments that the criteria is not the most qualified person? It's the highest court in the land. There's only nine justices. Guess what? Stephen Breyer didn't want to pack the court either. He wanted to keep it at nine. I hope the next one wants to keep it at nine, too. Uh, but we'll see. There's going to be a lot of pressure on this president to really put basically, I think, a very staunch conservative, I mean, rather staunch progressive, uh, given the history. Remember, there have been these signs, fire Breyer, fire Breyer, bring in a black female, bring in a black justice. Literally, that's what they've been putting on the billboards, many of them outside the Supreme Court for the last few months. And he doesn't announce it. The White House basically confirms it before even Breyer confirms it. Unbelievable. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Michael in New Jersey. Uh, Michael, what do you make of him saying the qualifications are black and female? Yeah, I think it's disgusting. And if I was one of the people questioning the person that he nominates, the first question I would ask her is, have you ever had any dealings with Louis Farrakhan, you know, the man that called white people devils and called Jews termites? Are you friends with him? Are you a racist against white people? Because the only reason Biden took you is because your skin color and your sex. So I would reverse it because the, the Democrats keep screaming Republicans are racist. Well, I'm curious, did you ever talk to Louis Farrakhan? Did you ever go to any of his parties? Did you ever have dinner with him? You know, do you hate white people the way Louis Farrakhan does? Are you, are you, a, a, you know, a, the opposite version of the clue? Are you a black member of the black Ku Klux Klan, so to speak? That's the questions I would ask. But by the way, you know, if they asked anything like that, and obviously that's a tinderbox right there, Michael, but if they ask anything that even remotely, and, and the fact that it's a woman too, if they start grilling her 
or, you know, let's say when she gets for the nomination process, if they say, hey, what's your association with? They'll say, oh, you're beating up on an African-American woman. I mean, you just heard the exchange with Joy Reid and what they were talking about on MSNBC. They were like saying, oh, you know, this person's going to be, you know, Cinderella coming in compared to Kavanaugh and some of these others. Um, It seems like any time that there's any even a semi question, can you imagine if Biden gets asked a question like this, he's going to call the reporter or anybody a stupid SOB. (laughs) Can you imagine? He couldn't handle Peter Ducey asking him about inflation. Can you imagine the kind of questions that always come during any Supreme Court nomination? Always. Always. It wasn't like Amy County Barrett. Uh, you know, it took 30 days for her to go through. That was fast. But boy, they were grilling her. Remember all the little images like she was like an Amish woman or something? I mean, they were horrible on her, but people weren't saying, OK, they're racist. Um, we're opening a tinderbox. Uh, Michael, thank you very much. Let's go to Elena in Teaneck, New Jersey. Elena, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts. Good evening, Rita. Good evening, my friend Elena. What do you think of, of Biden as a woman? Um, when you hear Biden say the criteria is she's going to have to be a black woman, that's who that's the criteria for the court, as opposed to we got to pick the best jurist. Well, as a woman, this to me is very cynical. And I don't want to be cynical, but Mr. Biden has got to reexamine his comments. In my opinion. You think? I I think he's got to (laughs) reexamine. Elena, I think he's got to reexamine a lot. I mean, today, by the way, separate, and I'll I'll get you, I'll give you a second after this, but I just, Elena, I don't know if you saw today, but today he's at this meeting with business CEOs and he's like, uh, 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 like, I don't even know if he knows uh, that he even has said an African-American woman. He just kind of, maybe someone gave him a script and he just kind of read it over and over again. He Mm -hmm. seems like he's on Mars. Maybe, but how technically is he going to determine a woman? Because nowadays, hey, anything can be women. Oh, that's true. Uh, That's true. That's true. Maybe we got to get Caitlyn Jenner to to be uh, one of the people questioning. You're right. Right. (laughs) Now, the second thing is when it comes to black African-American woman, I think he's insulting a lot of black skin people or people who have black skin in their heredity. There's black people in every land all over this globe. That's an interesting, and by the way, by the way, right, is he going to ask them to do a test like, uh, what, like Pocahontas, (laughs) like Elizabeth Warren? You know, okay, how, what percentage are you, right? Is or, you know, that, that could be, you know, the thing is too, Elena, I find it also insulting to some really smart African American women who, um, you know, like this Jackson, you know, she looks like a, like a, like a smart woman based on her history, has worked hard to get there. A lot of, you know, them, I feel like it minimizes if and when an African American woman gets picked because then it's like it's minimized. As opposed to saying, gosh, she got picked because she's the most qualified person. If he said, I'm going to pick the best person, and it turns out to be an African-American woman, uh, it gives her better kudos. I think it gives her better standing. I think it minimizes her uh, before the public, too. Elena, thank you very much for the call. Always love your call. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. Do you agree with me and Elena that it's not right for the president to say, I'm going to pick an African-American woman? That that's the criteria to fill the highest court in the land. What about the most qualified? This is the Rita Cosby Show.
Well, what do you think of the fact that Breyer is now retiring? Uh, Do you love that madly or do you not love that madly? What are your thoughts about that? He is, of course, one of the one of nine Supreme Court justices. And you just heard a little bit ago here on the Rita Cosby show from acclaimed legal scholar Alan Dershowitz that the fact that President Biden came out and said that he will only nominate essentially on the campaign trail. And the White House is confirming that this is still the standard, an African-American woman. Dershowitz says that that's unconstitutional, that that may be totally immoral um, and is absolutely not appropriate to base gender and race in deciding who goes on the highest court in the land. And by the way, Breyer, it looks like he was pushed out. Because he didn't announce it. It came from somewhere else. Take a listen to this is a former Gorsuch clerk talking about how the leak came out. I would uh, suggest that uh, this leaking out uh, through NBC instead of coming out of a statement by the Supreme Court is highly unusual. Highly unusual. Well, maybe not so unusual when it is an election year. Remember, it's the midterms and, of course, huge stakes, especially If the Senate were to change hands and go back to Republicans, then they could block nominations. So suddenly you saw these fire briar signs all over the place. And in fact, so blatant, some of these billboards were like, let a black woman come in. I I mean, is that what this is about? Is it race identity politics on the highest court of the land? I think it's really sad because it should be the most qualified, the smartest, the best person, especially for the highest premier jurist in the land. There's only nine of them. You want the most capable. You want the smartest person there, the person who's going to be able to look at all sides and come to the best decision. Um, But not, I don't think color should come into it. But Juan Williams on Fox News said that it's time to break the norms. Oh, I think there's never been a black woman on the Supreme Court. Um, I think there have been two black men, so there's only been two black people. Justice Thomas is there now. Justice Marshall uh, was his predecessor. Uh, Thomas replaced Marshall, but never a black woman. So, I mean, it's like, you know, it's always a, a white man as the standard for the Supreme Court. So I think that when President Biden was running as a candidate, I think he spoke to the idea that, you know, it was time that there would be some sense of full representation for all sorts of people in the United States on this court. Yeah. And I just think You know, it's okay to be inclusive. I think that that's a good idea. But to come right out and say the only criteria is that she's an African-American woman, that that is the whole criteria, I think that is dangerous territory. And I agree with Professor Dershowitz. What do you think, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Devin in Westchester. Devin, your thoughts. Hey, uh, thank you. Um, I'm just just blown away by this. in October of 2019, the Supreme Court voted to allow transgenders uh, to be protected under the Equal Employment Opportunity uh, Law. And does that not apply for the Supreme Court? Like, uh, do are they? Is this not a direct violation of the Equal Employment Opportunity? Absolutely, like Devin. Absolutely. Yeah, every lesbian, Republican, every uh, you know, uh, white person, anybody who's not a black female should now be able to sue the Biden administration for violating the Equal Employment Opportunity. No, it's a great point. And and by the way, as I'm sure you may have heard, 
we even heard from Dershowitz, who feels that it's a violation, you know, with the 14th Amendment, uh, you know, of equal opportunity. Exactly. You can't say, OK, race, color, creed, all that stuff. Um, I thought it was a very, very powerful statement. Um, and uh, let's real quick, Karen, two seconds. Karen, your thoughts real quick. Um, Karen, Biden go ahead. Has gone, Biden has gone against the Constitution since day one of his administration. He's getting a free pass on everything. So you, you feel this is sort of just par for the course. And listen, it's an election year. He's clearly pandering to his base. And as Dershowitz said, it is unconstitutional. You should pick the most qualified the best person. It's the highest court in the land. Race should not be a factor. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.